to show you around imaginary places. Put the money lumps in my bloody stump. Edible, have a spot in the perfect circle. Die in your sleep with a Hi there. I'm Caitlin Daly Gonzalez, Education Director for the New Haven Symphony Orchestra. And you're listening to Listen Up, the podcast series that shows you how to get more out of the music you love. On each episode this season, we're taking a deeper look at how emotions are expressed in music. Do you remember the first song that you sang as a child? For most people, this is usually the ABCs or maybe Frere Jacques or some other developmentally appropriate song. What was mine, you ask? Was it that my mother thought Axl Rose in all of his 1987 glory was perfect for teaching me colors like green grass and that adjectives can come before nouns like pretty girls? Well, not really. It's just that she listened to it so much that I just memorized the sounds of the words and repeated them. Which got me thinking. We talked about nostalgia in music in a previous episode, but that was music that looked back on childhood or a previous time. What about music that captures the experience of being a child in real time? Are there commonalities in the way that music expresses the emotions of children? Some of the first songs that most children hear are lullabies, or songs that are sung by adults to soothe babies to sleep. Oh, sorry, that one always gets me. The oldest lullaby on record was notated in an ancient Roman text. The lyrics are directing the infant in what to do. Either sleep or suckle, they say. If you don't suckle, you won't sleep. this example and the Brahms lullaby that we heard before that, the melodies feature a leap up followed by smooth and connected small steps. This sequence creates a calming and soothing feeling that is perfect for helping the wild world of babies' brains become more still. When we think of lyrics for children's music, they tend to be simple, repetitive, and rhyming, like one, two, buckle my shoe. One, two, buckle my shoe. Twinkle, twinkle. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. And hush, little baby. Hush, little baby, don't sing words. Mom, go to buy your mockingbird. If that mockingbird don't sing, I'm going to buy your diamond ring. If that diamond ring can break, I'm going to buy your looking glass. If that looking glass gets broke, I think this simplicity could give the impression that music for children needs to be simple, or even taking that idea a step further, that children's emotions are very simple. 
But think of what's going on in those songs. Kids are learning new, simple words that they'll use in everyday conversations. The melodies are super catchy, so they're easy to remember. And many words rhyme, so they can also learn about word families. I love watching kids figure out new concepts and emotions. When emotionally regulated, kids' brains are wild to observe. Neurons are firing quickly. New neural pathways are constantly being forged and then pruned when the brain decides that they no longer need them. I often imagine that if you could hear the inside of a child's brain, you'd just hear pew pew and the Richard Scarry soundtrack on constant repeat. So many new things to observe, take in, and experience. But on the outside, it just looks like they're trying to walk, or wrap their little fingers around a new toy, or try to decode language with a question mark in their eyes. Children and their brains are not as simple as we sometimes think that they are. Going a bit deeper with these thoughts, there are many examples of music for children that reveal a more complicated inner landscape. The popular Israeli children's song, Nad Ned, was written in the mid-1940s by the Israeli national poet Chaim Namin Bialik as a way to revive the Hebrew language and Israeli identity during an incredibly difficult time in the region. The lyrics talk about a seesaw going up and going down. It explicitly points to the Talmud, or the main source of Jewish theology and law, when it says, what is above, what is down below. Besides the super catchy melody, the words are easy to understand and include phrases like you and me and up and down, teaching important words in the language for children to understand. Rabbis such as Mark Jacobs argue that the song represents the duality of living in a religious state in a modern world. The seesaw represents each individual's personal struggle with their religious life and their secular one. While I think this could just be speculation, it also makes a great point about childhood in general and childhood songs in particular. Sometimes things just aren't as simple as they seem. Some children's music was written to be performed specifically by children. Naturally, the difficulty level must be adjusted for a beginner player. Nobody sits down at a piano for the first time and can suddenly play a Bach prelude, although how cool would that be? Instead, beginners must learn how to read music and then translate that into which buttons to push on a keyboard. Many composers have written pieces for beginner pianists over the centuries. Bella Bartok wrote his Microcosmos, a collection of 153 piano pieces, between 1926 and 1939. They range from very easy to pretty hard, and use many melodies as well as rhythms, scales, and modes from Bartok's homeland, which at the time was part of the Kingdom of Hungary and today is in Romania. Book one has the beginner just playing melodies in unison, so both hands are playing the exact same thing, just an octave or two apart. 
By book three, they're playing harder pieces with both hands separated. And by book six, players are pretty good. Even though these are made to start with beginners, remember that a beginner can be any age. So if an adult is starting with book one, it might make them feel like a child again, learning a new skill, trying to keep it fun, and getting excited about what they can now do. I also think that the Bartok pieces highlight this same idea that children's emotions are more complicated than they might first appear. Even many of the titles explain the skills that the student is learning. For example, some titles found across the collection are Thumbs Under or Hands Crossing or unison melodies. So even though the music that they're playing might seem so easy, the skill that they're practicing will eventually build up to incredible piano playing. Other composers have also written fun things for the children in their lives. Maurice Ravel wrote a piece called The Mother Goose Suite for his friend's two children, who were about six and seven, to play duets together. The suite is made up of different movements that are based on fictional children's stories, like Sleeping Beauty and Tom Thumb. In the movement of Beauty and the Beast, Ravel imagines a conversation taking place between Belle and the Beast. Listen as the conversation shifts here. Can you tell when the Beast starts talking? Even though Ravel wrote this piece for children to play and enjoy, tell me that you didn't smile and maybe even giggle a little bit when you first heard the beast speak. It shows us that what we found engaging and fun as children still engages us as adults. It's not expressing something that is too childish to be appreciated by a complex adult mind. Rather, it shines light on the fact that because children's music is not as simple as it seems, our adult brains still find it captivating. And that's what's so cool about music that can call forth emotions of childhood. It can soothe, be playful and silly, teach different words and concepts, frustrate you as you learn a new skill, but cause celebration when you finally conquer it, and help you experience childhood wonder and innocence when you listen to a musical conversation between two storybook characters. What may seem like merely simple music created for our youngest minds can actually be super complex learning systems that teach us new skills about living our best lives. Listen Up is produced by the New Haven Symphony Orchestra and hosted by me, NHSO Education Director Caitlin Daly-Gonzalez. Season 3 of Listen Up is sponsored by Frontier Communications. Our producer is Katie Bonner-Russo. Our recording engineer and editor is Keith Stryavy. Our research assistant is Dr. Sasha Pizer. 
To learn more about the New Haven Symphony Orchestra's concerts and award-winning education programs, including free quizzes for teachers to use with this podcast, visit newhavensymphony.org. It's hard to be a